0: Welcome to our study of Philippians here on the Radio Bible Course. Paul writes in chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, about his desire and goal. He writes, "...that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead." in Christ Jesus. Why does Paul write that I may know him? Did not he know Christ? Oh yes, he did. And since he had already known him by personal faith as his savior, his statement here must refer to a more intimate knowledge, so intimate that he thinks and feels what Christ experienced. His first desire to know him intimately is perhaps explained in the words that follow, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, in regard to power, it wasn't just power. He didn't want to perform miracles, necessarily. It was the power of the resurrection of Christ that interested Paul. Why know or have that kind of a power? Well, if I know Paul, and I've been studying him for some 40 years, I suggest that Paul wants that power to overcome the forces which hinder his complete service to his Lord, Jesus, the Son of God. Paul wasn't one who wanted to show off. Note that it's not the power of Jesus. It's the power of his resurrection. This is not a Craving a power for salvation? He already has that. Paul is a man in whom the Spirit dwells. But Paul is an unresurrected man. What does a resurrected man have that Paul does not have? Well, let's compare the non-resurrected man with the resurrected man, and then perhaps we can better understand his intense desire. Well, first of all, the non-resurrected man has a sin nature. And if he's a believer, as Paul was, he also has the divine nature. Well, what does the resurrected man have? Only a divine nature. When we are raised from the dead, we no longer will have the sin nature which we were born with. The non-resurrected man also has satanic conflict in this life. But the resurrected man will have total victory over all satanic conflict and sin thanks to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The non-resurrected man is in this world, but the resurrected man will be in heaven. Those are major differences, and Paul is speaking as a non-resurrected man. He wants to attain to the final reality of the victory which Jesus Christ purchased for him. Did you know that in addition to your sin nature, which is part of the flesh, if you have believed in Christ, you also have a divine nature? Peter teaches us that in his second epistle, chapter 1, verse 4. He writes, He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world. The Christian, then, has two natures, the divine and the human. But only the divine will find a place in heaven. Well, by the power of his resurrection... Someday we will shed this in nature. Now, what does Paul want when he writes this? He wants the power to serve as a superhuman. Serving as a human being is not enough for the Christ that he loves. And he wants himself to be free of all the lusts and the selfish cravings which all of us as human beings have. Now, in regard to the satanic conflict... Paul was aware of temptation and deception, and he didn't want to fall victim to any of those. And in regard to the world, he saw it as a system of corruption that hinders believers. He saw its values imposed on humans and controlling them. And Paul, in Galatians 1, verse 4, wrote that Christ died for our sins to deliver us from this evil age which is the world system that ignores God. It is a system of pleasure-oriented values, promoted by the evil one who is called the God of this world. You'll find that in 2 Corinthians 4.3. Is the world attractive? To an unresurrected person it is, unless we get to know the power of his resurrection, and few of us do. So we are given to this warning by the Apostle John. Love not the world, or the things in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Next, Paul wants to know the fellowship of his sufferings. What is fellowship? It's that which is shared in common with another person. It is translated also by the word communion. Paul wants to experience what Jesus experienced when he suffered. He wants union with Christ in every possible way. You and I, as believers, have positional union with Christ, which the New Testament refers to as being in Christ. He is in us, and we are in him by faith. We become spiritually united to the Savior when we believe in him for the purpose of obtaining salvation. Now, God's word promises us that. But Paul desired more than this. His love for Christ was so intense that he could not be content until he could also bear the sufferings which Jesus Christ encountered and experienced. How did Jesus suffer? Well, before his death, he suffered at the hands of his people. The Bible tells us that he came to his own home, and his own people received him not. In addition, in John chapter 19, verse 15, Pilate said to him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Ah, that's a kind of suffering. When the people who should be accepting you and recognizing you, instead, totally reject you. Jesus also suffered at the hands of the world. In John 15, Jesus said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. It is to fulfill the word that is written in their law, They hated me without a cause. Well, it's pretty bad when your own people reject you, when the world persecutes you, but it's even worse when one's friends turn against him. Jesus' disciples had doubts, and Jesus knew that they had doubts. Judas was conspiring against him, and Jesus knew it, and by knowing it, it hurt. It was a form of suffering. Reading men's hearts brought suffering to Jesus, and if we knew what people were thinking about us, we would likely collapse in grief. After his resurrection, Christ continued to suffer. When Saul persecuted believers, Jesus suffered. When they were hurt, Christ felt it. Paul wanted to share those kinds of sufferings, and he did. When false teaching hurt the church, Paul was hurt by it also. And finally, Paul wanted to be conformed to his death. This can't mean dying for the sins of the world. Only Christ could do that and only he was qualified by sinlessness. Our death can save no one. Even if Paul were crucified as a criminal by the Romans, his death would not conform to Christ's because God turned his back to the one who bore our sins on the cross and accepted our punishment. Paul could not experience that. And neither can we, because God will not forsake believers. What might Paul mean then by being conformed to his death? Perhaps to have the same attitude as the Savior had toward death. Christ took the form of a servant and was willing to be sacrificed for the good of others. I think that's what Paul was aiming for here. But Paul continues in verse 11 by writing, "...that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead." Paul seems to be expressing uncertainty here. He did not know if he would attain whatever he is referring to in this verse. Oh, he was uncertain about various things, but certainly not his salvation, and salvation is completed at the time we are resurrected from the dead. So he's not talking about salvation. He uses the word attain. And that Greek word means to arrive at, to reach to something, or to come to it. It's used in Acts chapter 27, verse 12, and this is instructive to us. It says the majority reached the decision to put out to sea from there if somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete. The context here is that ship voyage of the Apostle Paul, and they were in a storm. And the same word is used here to attain that they might reach this harbor of Crete. So Paul wants to reach an event described by a Greek word used only one time in the New Testament. Now the word for resurrection, the usual word, is Anastasis. But Paul's word here is And that ek on the beginning of it means out of or from. Now, since Paul didn't have doubts about rising from the dead, and since verse 11 expresses doubt about wanting to reach something in his lifetime, the only event on the horizon that fits this is what we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangels call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. That's First Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, Paul may be telling the Philippians that he wants to experience the appearing of Jesus Christ while he's still alive on this earth. But he had doubts about being alive or remaining alive for that event. So, verse 11 Maybe Paul's expression that he wants to miss the resurrection from the dead by being alive on the earth when Christ appears so he can be caught up into heaven. Well, it is a difficult verse. Thank you for tuning in to the Radio Bible Course. We'll continue our study of Philippians chapter 3 next week. I'll be here, and I hope you will be too. Until next week, this is Nick Caliboda reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.